God, we thank you so much for this opportunity now that we can just declare this, this truth that you make us brave, even when we may not feel like it, even if things are going against us, because we say great is our God and that you can do all things and that you have good plans for us. So I pray now that as we just talk together, as we experience now your teaching, that you would inspire us and that you would lead us out of here today, lead us out with just full of uh, energy about expressing you and your love that has just washed over us to our world that they would experience as, as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may have a seat. That'd be great. So we're in this series uh, on everyday life on mission, and uh, I know that some of you, maybe this is your first week, I know holiday schedules and all those things happen, and uh, so if you've missed the last two weeks, I just want to encourage you to go out and watch them online so that you can just catch up with what your church is experiencing and what, where God's been leading us over the last few weeks. But uh, this series is designed uh, to awaken us, just to you know, bring a new light, a freshness uh, to the idea that God has called us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that God has called us to be his light in a world that's dark. He's called us to bring hope in a world that's hopelessness. He's called us to bring peace in a world that's full of chaos, conflict, and war. He's called us to bring kindness in a world where people are against each other. He's called us to bring love in a world of hate. That's what he's called us to do. He's called us to be people who are on mission for him. And that's the calling for every person who has said yes to Jesus Christ. So if that's you, you've made a commitment to him, then this is exactly the calling he has for us and what he's called us to do. So I'm going to ask if you would, everybody grab your message notes. They look like this. You want to pull them out, give you a chance to take some notes today. All the Bible verses we'll use will be here. That might be helpful for some of you. Also, you can open your Bible to Ephesians 6, and that's where I'll be jumping in this morning. Just want to let you know, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to have a Bible in your home. And so if you want to stop at the bookshelves, just right out there in the lobby, uh, you can pick one up and just be our gift to you today. So right at the top, I put the theme or the key idea for this series that we're in right now. And here it is. Jesus has promised that as we live every day on mission, we will have his power and his presence to engage in his purpose of making disciples who make disciples. So that's his promise, that as we engage in his purposes, then he's going to give us his presence. He's going to give us his power as we step out to do what he's called us to do. We talked about two weeks ago about the Great Commission and the Great Commission that he's called us to be people who are disciples who make disciples. That's our one job, one Thing. So in that first week, I talked and showed you some pictures just to kind of help you to see what it's like when somebody has one job and they get it wrong. So I thought I'd do it again today. So let's just look at some pictures. <clears throat> you had one job, okay? Now, this is maybe a little bit hard for you to see because of the glare, but you have a, you know, a fortune cookie. The fortune's where? On the outside. It's supposed to be on the inside. So one job. Next one. You had one job. Okay, Batman, Superman. Now, I know that there's a movie coming out where they're going to you know, do battle against each other, but I don't think that one was predicting the future. So, okay, the next one. You had one job. Now, you got to look at this closely. You know, some of you are sitting here going, now, cinnamon spelled wrong? But really, you think about it. Where's the milk supposed to go? 
you had one job to put the milk in the cereal. You had one job. Oh. <laughs> oh, can't even get the key in the door. You had one job. Oh, my word, you made thirst place. We're so proud of you, sweetie. Uh, you had one job. You had one job. I don't know about you, but I've been to that store, you know, and I've been trying to figure that out, trying to figure out which way you're supposed to go in, and you wait for somebody to come out so they can help you to actually get there. So we have one job. Our one job is to make disciples who make disciples. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the key ingredient to us being able to carry out that job. Now, you got to understand, mission is so important. And our mission is, is that we are engaging together to lead as many people as possible into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's important that we have mission. It's important that we have uh, goals. Goals are very vital. And so our goals are that we would, everybody here would be in a place where they would love God, they would love people, and that they would serve our world. So those are the goals of our church, and it's very important. And every church has to have a strategy. And our strategy is, is that we're going to create irresistible environments so that when people come in, that they will be able to engage with God and his church, and they will be so inspired that they will invite their friends back. Second piece of that is that we will provide inspiring opportunities, so that as people are inspiring opportunities, that they will grow in their faith, and that they will be able to establish and have a confidence in God and to follow him and build their lives on him. So it's important that we have mission. It's important that we have goals. It's important that we have strategy. All those are so critical. But what we forget, if we're not careful, is that we're not building an organization. We are in what the Bible says, a spiritual war or a spiritual battle. That's the war. That's the place that we're called to do ministry. And if we're in a spiritual war, if we're in a spiritual battle, well, that is going to require what? Spiritual power. It's going to require a power that's not just in the physical realm. So our everyday life on mission is a spiritual endeavor. And the verses today we're going to look at, we're going to talk about the power, how it is that we carry that out. So we're going to look at Ephesians 6. And jumping in there, uh, in fact, if you know Ephesians 6, is a lot of it has to do with spiritual armor that prepares us and protects us for the spiritual warfare that we're in. Beginning in verse 10, Paul describes the armor that's available to us. He talks about the fact that we have the belt of the spirit of truth. He says that we have the breastplate of Christ's righteousness. He says that we have the helmet of salvation. He says that we have the shoes of the gospel of good news or the gospel of peace. He says that we have the shield of faith to protect us from the fiery darts of the enemy, the evil one. And then he says we have the sword of the spirit. When he says the sword of the spirit, he's talking about God's word. And then he gets down and talks about what it is that how all this works together. So verse 14, put it on your notes. It says this, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So, okay, here's what he's saying to do. He's saying, I want you to stand firm. I want you to stand firm. Now, you got to know, here's what I'm going to say today. Standing requires kneeling. I'm not going to be able to stand firm unless I first humble myself on my knees before God in prayer. 
That's the source of our ability to stand firm and to live out the life, the one calling he's called us to live. Prayer is the essential element of the armor of God. It's the foundation for all that we do. Prayer is meant to be our first response, not our last resort. So often people say, well, let's pray about this. And someone else will say, well, has it come to that? It must be really bad. (laughs) Prayer is meant to be our first response, not our last resort. One author said it this way. Prayer is the secret weapon in the Christian's arsenal in the spiritual battle in the world, the flesh, and the devil. Prayer is the single, hear this, the single greatest force ever unleashed on earth, and it is the single most powerful weapon at the Christian's disposal. It's prayer. Pastor John Piper, I was reading a message where he was you know, kind of writing about this whole idea of prayer, and he says that life is war. Just right in front, life is war, and our weakness in prayer is due to the neglect of this truth that I started with, that we are in a spiritual battle. So our weakness in prayer is a result of our neglect of this truth. And he describes it this way. Prayer is like the wartime use of a walkie-talkie, where you've got a soldier in the middle of a battle and has a walkie-talkie and is using that walkie-talkie to talk to headquarters in the middle of the battle for guidance, cover, supplies, ammunition, artillery, air support, and reinforcements. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need to live out his mission as his disciples in this world. But the problem According to John Piper, the problem is that too many of us want to make prayer into a domestic intercom. We push the button and we make a request for something to make life more comfortable, like deliver refreshments to my man cave or something like that. (laughs) We press a button and it's going to make it there. We press a button and it's going to get warmer or it's going to get cooler. We press a button and the sound will go up or the sound that we press a button and it's all about making my life easier, making my life easier. The problem is is that we use prayer most of the time just to make our lives easier when prayer is the most effective and powerful tool we have at, at just in, given to us by God to be used by him. So let's just jump in now, verse 18, Ephesians 6. It begins this way, pray at all times. I want you to circle that, pray at all times. I'm going to come back and talk about that in a second. Excuse me. In the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So what he says, and I underline that first phrase, pray at all times, is this. Pray at all times means to pray continually, to pray continually. Paul says in another place that we would pray without ceasing. So what he's saying here is prayer is meant to be a constant state of communion with God. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to pray every second of every day, okay? Just know that. It doesn't mean we have to pray every second of every day. Praying continually at all, or at all times, when um, Paul says pray without ceasing, I'll just give you a way to understand it. Now, 
I had a chronic cough for over six weeks, okay? So you got to, you know, my family had to endure that cough for over six weeks. You had to endure that cough for over six weeks as I spoke and all those things. I coughed repeatedly and I coughed often. So what we want to talk about here and as we're talking about prayer is, is that I didn't decide, you know what, I'm going to cough a lot. I just want to be annoying. So I'm just going to cough a lot and make everybody be annoyed all around me. What happened is, is that I coughed. It was a natural response to what was going inside of me, and it came out, but I didn't cough every second. I coughed occasionally. And so what we're talking about about prayer is this, is it would become a natural response to the circumstances of my life, and eventually, by the way, when it came time to coughing, I couldn't stop it either. So when it's in prayer, I can't stop it. It becomes a natural outpouring of the circ- you know, what I am in the cir- circumstances that I'm in and being able to do that. So that's what it means. Something I do regularly and voluntarily, but so that's let some of you off the hook there because it doesn't mean every second of every day. So I just want to pause with that in mind. If we're honest, as already, as I'm talking about prayer, is that some of us are sitting there and we're going, oh, no. Because if you're like me, you realize that many times prayer is not natural and it's not voluntary. In fact, for most of us, prayer is, what I said earlier, it's our last resort instead of being our first response. And when we hear things like, you should pray without ceasing in all things, what happens is, is that we can begin to feel pretty small. You know, then start thinking things like, I stink at prayer. I'm terrible at prayer. I fall so short. And if you're feeling those things now, <clears throat> the danger is, is that you could leave here today feeling bad about yourself. So here's the deal. I just want to help us out today. The deal is this. It's not God's desire that you feel convicted. Conviction's awesome. It's not God's d- desire, though, that you feel convicted by the Holy Spirit about your prayer life and that you leave here today feeling guilty. That's not his desire. It's God's desire that if it's between you and him, excuse me, that you are convicted about your prayer life and that you leave here inspired, inspired to pursue him. That's his desire. So I believe the reason so many of us struggle with prayer is that we end up thinking prayer is something we have to do instead of prayer being someone we get to talk to. You know, something I have to do, but no, it's someone I get to talk to, so we want to engage with him. Prayer is about a relationship. So I learned to pray at all times. I learned to, it's my becomes my natural response, but it's a learned thing that I do. Okay, let's dig in, and let's look at <clears throat> five prayers. And by the way, this is our church prayer for the year, so we're going to talk about these five prayers. It's a prayer a day after today, beginning tomorrow, a prayer a day, Monday through Friday. We're going to talk about how we're going to do that. We're going to take these from Ephesians chapter 6. First is this. If I'm going to stand firm by boldly praying, I will ask God for greater insight. So my prayer is asking God for greater insight. So just continue on. Pray at all times. Next, next in the spirit. In the spirit. Now, I know this phrase, in the spirit, <clears throat> it's gotten abused uh, in uh, many places And so some of you are thinking, all right, we're talking about weird stuff here. No, I'm not talking about being weird. uh, But just know that we're talking about the supernatural realm. And so things can happen that are different than 
what would be in the natural realm and it compared appear to be weird. But I'm not talking about the fact that if you're going to pray in the spirit that you have to be weird. I'm going to actually help you understand exactly what it is that Paul is directing. He's directing you to pray spirit-filled prayers. Spirit-controlled prayers. So praying in the spirit means I'm going to pray under the influence of the spirit. Pray under the influence. So what I do, if I'm going to pray under the influence of the Spirit, is I'm going to ask God, for, ask the Spirit for guidance about my prayers. Say, so would you guide me, give me insights about how you want me to pray? See, the Bible helps, tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers as we submit. He speaks to us as we submit to his presence and leading. So you want to fill these in. The Holy Spirit helps us know how to pray, and he gives us confidence, and he helps us to be consistent, or so he gives us consistency. Gives us confidence and consistency. So in Romans 8, Paul says in Romans 8 that the Spirit helps us know what to pray when we don't know what to pray. And so when we know that we're listening to the Spirit and we're praying prayers that were Spirit-inspired, then that gives us confidence to pray those prayers. And then... The Spirit speaks to us through God's Word. This is Spirit-breathed, the Bible says. And these are God's words to us. And so many times, many times, I'm not going to say every time, but many times is when you're asking the Holy Spirit how to pray, He will bring to mind Scripture. He will bring to mind Bible verses. He will bring to mind his word because <clears throat> the most powerful prayers in the spirit are when you pray God's word back to God. By the way, it's another way to test. If you ever feel that you're led by the spirit to pray or do something and it goes against God's word, it's not from the spirit. Just not from the spirit. So when we play, pray underneath the influence and direction of God's spirit, we can be confident that our prayers are based on God's will, on his will. So I'm praying spirit-originated and spirit-dependent prayers. And then as I pray, he's actually going to empower me to pray the prayers that he's giving me. And so I not only have the words from him, but I'm going to have the empowerment or the strength to pray uh, to him. Now, I'm not saying that when we pray, it's our responsibility to make things happen. So what we realize is, is that we're praying here is that we're actually praying words given in his power, and that he is going to do the work. He's the one that's going to make things change. Now, <clears throat> I've been really challenged by this concept uh, because for me, uh, that when I look at my prayer life, uh, I pray for things, and then I'll get up from my prayer time, and then I'll think, how can I make this happen? Anybody else guilty of this? <laughs> of course we are. I just struggle with this so much as I try, I pray, and then I'm immediately thinking of a strategy on how to accomplish what it is I've just asked God to do. So what I want to do and what I'm working on tremendously right now in my life is I'm trying to take it to God and then trust him with the outcome. Take it to God and then trust him with the outcome. And that is praying in the spirit, okay? So we first of all, we ask for guidance and insight, and then we pray it, and then we let go and we trust him with the outcome, okay? Second thing is this, second prayer. If I'm going to stand firm by boldly praying, <clears throat> I will ask God for greater intentionality, intentionality. So, <clears throat> so 
So many times we approach our prayer time, and it's just a random, you know, random thing. We don't have any guidance. We don't have any thoughts. We don't have any direction. So whatever it is that we're going through at the moment, that's what we start praying about. And then, you know, so we just end up basically praying, <clears throat> if we're not careful, the same things every day until they change, and we pray the same things every day until those change again. But what I'm saying is, is that Paul's calling us to pray intentionally, to, to have things that you pray about every day or every week uh, because the Holy Spirit has placed those on your heart. Now, that means that, you know, prayers can be done formally, prayers can be done informally, prayers can be done privately, prayers can be done corporately, prayers can be done vocally, prayers can be done silently. There's all kinds of methods that you can approach prayer. You can pray for an hour, you can pray for 30 minutes, you can pray for five minutes, you can shoot up arrows that are like one second, and there's all kinds of methods that you can use in your prayer time. But I'm going to give you a tool, and this will be so familiar with probably you know 80% of you. It's the ACTS method, okay? A-C-T-S. A-C-T-S. Action, prayer is action. A stands for adoration. So I'm going to spend some time praying to God to make sure that I'm adoring him for being God. Now, now I know most of you in this service probably missed this today. But the moon was amazing this morning. Unbelievable. And as I was driving here, it was dark. The clouds are breaking in this full moon. It seemed like every direction I turned, the moon was right in front of me. I don't know how that happens. But it, the whole way here, and so I was just, God, you are amazing. I can't believe that you, I adore you. I love you. You're so much in control. Clouds are coming by. I adore you for the rain. Thank you so much for the rain. Clouds moved away. Thank you that it's not raining. I adore you. So you're just kind of going through this whole litany of adoration in him for what he's doing. God wants us to adore him. The C is confession. Confession. A is, I, you know, I talk to God about what he's... Uh, see, excuse me, I want to get this right, and I'm going to get to it in a minute. A is, I talk to God about who he is. That's adoration. Talk to God about who he is. C is confession. I talk to God about who I am. I talk to God about who I am, and I take time confessing the things that I know are sin in my life. T is thanksgiving. In Thanksgiving, I talk to God about what he's done. Now, Thanksgiving, gratitude, this is one of the keys of being healthy emotionally. That's what psychologists would say. God would say, it's just the way to do life. You're saying that I'm God and you're not, and you're thanking me for all I've done. So Thanksgiving. And then supplication, and supplication just means request. And so you want to make sure that you're taking time to go through requests and, you know, you come up with your list. And I think it's really powerful to write the request down. And then maybe every day you pray for different lists of things that you were asking God to do. But you're doing it with intentionality, okay? So that's the deal. And you say, God, help me to stay on track with you. Three is this. If I'm going to stand firm by boldly praying, I will ask God for greater intensity. Greater intensity. <clears throat> Now, just right up front, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you're, you're going to now yell at God, okay? So some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, I can do this. I, I've yelled at God before, and so I can do it again. But this is not what I'm saying when I talk about greater intensity today. Basically, what I'm saying is I'm going to ask God, I'm going to ask you for what to pray. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to help me to know what to pray. And now I'm going to help you, I'm going to ask you to help me to do it to do it and to be intense and committed to it. So this is what he says. 
To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Keep alert with all perseverance. So if we're going to be effective in our prayers, and Chip Ingram calls this in our invisible war, we must be alert in our prayers. So that word alert, let's just kind of think about what it means. The word alert means sleepless or not drowsy. Now, some of you are already going, oh, no, I'm caught. Because, you know, I can't think of any other way to fall asleep than to pray. I mean, you just start and phew, you're gone. Start, you're gone. You know, just something about that when you come inside and, and you do that. But what he's saying is, is that I want you to be sleepless or not drowsy. So the, the picture of that is a sentry or a guard who's assigned a station and that sentry is guarding what's inside and keeping protecting so that he can sound the alarm if something happens. So if you have a sentry, <clears throat> I can guarantee you, you don't want that sentry dozing off, right? You want that sentry to be awake, not to leave his or her post. So God is calling us to be alert to our prayer opportunities and then to persevere in our prayers. So here's what, we just need to just kind of grasp this and to chew on this and to own this. A war is going on for your soul. A battle is going on for the souls of your family members. A war is going on. Skirmishes, attacks are going on for the souls of the people that belong to your church. A war is going on for the souls of the people in our community. Just to go spread it out. A war is going on, and because of that, I've been called to be a sentry, I've been called to be a guard, I've been called to be alert, because the enemy will attack at any time, and I need to be alert in my prayer times. And so what I have to do is I have to come before God and say, God, I humbly come before you and ask you to give me the strength to pray, to be fully engaged by your grace in my prayer time. Alert with perseverance. Perseverance just means you don't give up. If you want to read a story about this that Jesus taught, look at Luke 18. Luke 18, Jesus talks about a woman who would not give up in prayer, and eventually she received what it was that she was praying about. Jesus made a point in that story that we would persevere in prayer. Perseverance, let me just say this. I believe that I am here today as your pastor because of persevering prayer. I had a mom who prayed for me, and she had a church that prayed for me. So every morning, she would go into her guard shack, and she would be alert as a sentry, and she would pray prayers of perseverance that her son, who was far from God, would come back to God. It took nine years Nine years of her praying as a century and persevering in prayer before her son turned to Jesus. And she never stopped praying intensely for me. And I thank my mom. I love my mom. And she's the reason I say all again and again that I'm here where I am today because she was a century that didn't give up. She prayed for her son. Now, I know that when I say that, that some of you, and I just want to be real tender here for a moment. Some of you have been praying over nine years for someone in your life. And what I want to say is God knows. God is there. And he just said to keep praying. 
to keep praying, to come to him, to learn from him in your prayer times. As, as the answer is not coming, the, one of the amazing things about persevering prayer when you don't get an answer is that you get to know the one you're praying to better. You get to know his love in a deeper way. You get to experience him. So never, just say never, never give up until the spirit were to tell you at some point, you don't need to pray for this any longer. Just persevere. <clears throat> and so when we come to him in that kind of relationship, we get to know him better. Okay, number four. <clears throat> if I'm going to stand firm by boldly praying, I will ask God for greater influence. So I'm going to ask him now, would you give me greater influence in my world? And this is what he says. He says, making supplication for all the saints. Okay, so here's what he's doing. He's praying for the church here. He's praying for the church. Supplication for all the saints. A saint is a follower of Jesus Christ. So he's praying for all the influence of all the saints in his time. We're praying for all the influence of all the saints in our time because we need the church to influence our age. We need it. If there's ever a time when we need to pray for the church and the church's influence in the world, it's now. See, when we pray for each other, our hearts, we talked about this last week. Pastor Mark did a great job of talking about the power of belonging. So when we pray for one another, our hearts are linked together because we belong together. But it's even more than that. When we pray for one another, for our influence in the world, what we're doing is we're leveraging the power of the Spirit through one another into our world, that God would use us to <clears throat> influence others for him and his kingdom. Now, I'm not really good about praying for my world. You know, I'm, I'm good about praying for here, praying for our local community and outwardly. But, you know, someone, I just don't know how this happened. Someone gave me a calendar and uh, it just appeared on my desk and I took it home and I was fascinated by it, so I put it in my bathroom. I like to have a calendar in my bathroom for some reason. I haven't figured out that yet. But, so I have a calendar in my bathroom, and usually has some kind of spiritual thing on it, okay, all last year's. But this calendar is a calendar to pray for the persecuted church. And every day has a prayer request for a different area where the church is being persecuted. And every day, I don't know the people, I don't even know the place, but every day I'm speaking words of faith out loud for people who live in that place. So we pray for the church's influence in the world because we're all part of the same family, okay? Okay, and lastly is this. Fifth, if I'm going to stand firm by boldly praying, I will ask God for greater impact. I will ask him for greater impact. So Paul's making a direct switch here, okay? A direct switch where he's, you know, pr say pray, 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 and then he says, pray for me. And I would say if Paul can pray it for himself, that this is a prayer that we can also pray for ourselves. And this is what he says. Pray that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it, how? Boldly, as I ought to speak. So here's what Paul is saying, and he's asking for there are so many times when you and I come to our faith and we're seeking to be more peaceful, 
to be, you know, the Holy Spirit would give us the gift of peace so that we wouldn't be as anxious when we face our circumstances so that we could be an example. We're, we're wanting to be kinder so that when things happen to us, we get pinched, our response is kinder so that people see that there's something different about us. Uh, we want to be more loving. And so that when we see that people are being oppressed or that people are being uh, prejudiced against and judged in some way, that we will stand up for them and then they'll want to know and they'll see that there's something different in us. Now, here's the deal. It's awesome. I mean, that, the reason that people don't want to go to church is because they see how church people act. But when we start acting differently, then all of a sudden that changes that, but that is not enough. I'll just say, be real honest. It's a happier life to be peaceful. It's a happier life to be kind. It's a happier life to know love. It's a happier life not to worry. It, it, it's a happier life, you know, to, uh, to be good to others and to receive goodness. It, and because that's about who? It's about me. It's happier to live like that. It's, you know, it's, it's more fulfilling to live like that. But what Paul wants us to realize is there has to be a moment when you're bold and you talk about your faith, when you talk about your beliefs. And what we need at this point is we need clarity and courage. We need to be able to speak with clarity about our faith, and we need the courage to actually do that. So clarity means that we're able to articulate why we have trusted in Jesus Christ in a way that someone else would be able to understand it. So that's clarity. Now, on February 21st, just to kind of let you know what's coming, on February 21st, I'm going to give us a really brief, and I'll say simple, approach to sharing your faith with clarity to someone who would be open to hearing about Jesus. So we'll train you. We're going to talk about that on the 21st on how to do that. It's awesome that we know that, but the biggest thing that American Christians need is courage. Being willing to speak up boldly for Jesus Christ. Boldly for him. Because our culture does not want to hear about Jesus. And so we have to do more than love. We have to get to the place where we have courage to speak boldly for Jesus in our everyday world and our everyday life and our environments. Now, one thing, one, one little thing before I close. I found it very interesting that Paul, remember now, Paul is in jail. Paul is in chains. Paul basically might see you know, a guy that would be his guard outside of his cell. Uh, he would see maybe the people that would bring him his food uh, maybe once or twice a day. So say that's three people he would see in a day. Let's just say that they had a, you know, a schedule so that he had three different people every day for seven days, so he would see 21 people a week. He's chained. Now, Paul was the one that God had called... God established to be the one who would deliver the message of Jesus Christ to the Gentile world. He's in prison. He's seeing 21 people a week at the max. So if I'm Paul, here's what I'm going to pray. Get me out of jail. Get me out of jail. Oh, and maybe it wasn't just so he could see more people because jail's not a good place to be, I hear. Get me out of jail. That would be my prayer. 
Instead, Paul says this, and here's what we need to hear today, folks. In my circumstances, right where I live, even though things aren't perfect, help me to be who you've called me to be and help me to share the message you've called me to share, and I need your courage to do it in my circumstances, in my world. Now, he wrote similar things that we just read in, to the church in Colossae. He wrote this in Colossians 4. He says this, Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. Pray that I will proclaim, speak this message as clearly, and I'll just add boldly, as I should. So, okay, two weeks ago, Here's how we ended, and I want to end the same way because I know that you know we have you know a crowd that we've had, like I said earlier, that maybe this is your first week here for the year of 2016, and I want to end the same way because I want us to, if you weren't here, I want you to do it. If you were here, I just want to be refreshed, and so I give you space there to write down three names. Above it, it says this. Here's my commitment. I will boldly pray that God will use me to influence these three people, these people to become disciples. I want you to just take a moment at the rest of this service. I want you to write down three names. And I'm gonna, I want you to please keep it local where you have influence. You know, you may know somebody in Africa. You may know someone in Spain. You know what? You may not see them for another five or 10 years. I'm asking for someone that you're going to see this week or next week in your circle of influence that you could have opportunity and you write down their names that you would have opportunity to speak for him. Now look at what Ian e. Bounds says about this whole idea of praying. Talking to men for God is a good thing, but talking to God for men is even greater. And that's what I'm asking you to do is to talk to God for men. So here, this wrap up. What if, what if we spent an entire year January 24th, 2016 to January, whatever it'll be, 23rd, 2017, that we spend an entire year praying that God would use us, use this church, use each individual, every one of us, where we are in our everyday life to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just imagine the lives that could be changed. Just imagine how your life could be changed if you engaged in that process. So would you pray boldly with me? Let's bow our heads now and pray. Father, I thank you so much for the truthfulness of the message today, right from your word. And thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit discernment. And I pray now that you would give us courage, God, that you would give us courage to pray. That's all we're asking for today is just to pray, to pray these five prayers, to commit today that I would do this, pray these five prayers, that I would ask you, God, in asking, I would expect you to act. And God, that then you would use me for this one job of making disciples who make disciples. Pray that you would empower us by your spirit because we're talking about a spiritual war and therefore we need spiritual resources.
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.